Thank you for joining us for the second episode of the Xamarin Podcast. So we're recording this on Tuesday, the 3rd of September. Again, we joined with uh, Pierce Bogan and myself, uh, Chris Hardy. Um, you can definitely check us out on Twitter at ChrisNTR or at Pierce Bogan. Um, so this is the second episode. So I want to thank everyone uh, for the, if you have listened to the first one, thanks for listening to the first episode. Um, we're going to be talking about all things Xamarin and mobile. Um, kind of want to ki- kick off today's show again with something Apple related. This time it's a little bit positive news. Um, Apple apparently are going to be announcing some sort of thing on September the 10th. Obviously, they're not very big on details there. Um, so, you know, we presume it's going to be a new device or new devices. iOS 7's around the corner. Um, so, what do you think, Pierce? Well, I mean, uh, iOS 7's around the corner, and as a developer, that means getting your apps iOS 7 ready, um, which I've seen a lot of stuff around, and I agree, like, iOS 7 can pretty much make or break your app. If you don't conform to iOS 7, then you're just going to look outdated and irrelevant on the new operating system, and also, if you don't support, I, the adoption numbers for 6 are pretty high, but I think if you... Um, don't support six also. So you're going to probably have to do, if you have any custom controls, you'll have to do two different versions for each operating system, which will be a pain. But I'm sure uh, by now you've probably already been working on making your apps iOS 7 ready. So that's not a huge issue, but I'm pretty excited. Uh, I like the change, even though a lot of people didn't. And uh, I'm excited. So Yeah, I think I think part of the thing with iOS 7 is the, the new apps that do take advantage of looking like an iOS 7 app always get picked up by Apple um, pretty quickly, and I think your users um, will also appreciate that. So definitely get your iOS 7 apps ready. I'm sure a golden master version of the iOS 7 SDK will be around the corner, uh, probably announced on the September the 10th event. So uh, keep an eye out on the news for more information about that. Um, Something that came up today um, was that Android have announced that they're going to be calling Android 4.4 KitKat after the uh, after the chocolate bar, which I think was rather strange. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I thought it was very strange too. I voiced my concerns to Chris before the show on how uh, I didn't think it was necessarily dumb, but I don't really understand the move. But I guess there's some people who are way smarter than me trying to figure out exactly how they can leverage this to their advantage. So I'm sure they have some sort of plan, but. I guess it's better than some of the other names they've had in the past, although I would have enjoyed Android 4.4 Snickers a lot more. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting that they have um that they do have, you know, already images of KitKat bars with Android advertisements on there. So even though apparently, you know, no no money was changed when they decided to call it KitKat, I think there's a definite strong um promotion available there for Android to be on on KitKat wrappers so it's a little bit strange but for developers really they have not mentioned anything about kind of what the APIs are going to be like or what new things obviously that's going to be coming up in a in another announcement so we have to hold on to our horses and and you know we'll find out about Android 4.4 in the future. Yeah I mean it's Android 4.4 KitKat so I would imagine the APIs to be very average in nature uh, I think KitKat's one of those bars that you kind of, if it's if you have one for free, you'll eat it. But like you're not going to go out of your way. You're not going to pay a dollar for a KitKat bar. So I think they're kind of setting the bar a little low with the KitKat. Well, hopefully they can turn that around and, and make it into something positive. But 
that that remains to be seen. Um, so you know we're talking about kind of getting your iOS seven apps ready with the September September the tenth announcement. Um, so we have an article um, that we want to mention from Greg Shackles, uh, which is on the Visual Studio magazine, and it's called "Unit Test Your iOS Apps." Yeah, and uh, Greg, who's written a whole bunch of cross-platform stuff, uh, writes for Visual Studio magazine occasionally, and I went through the article. It's a really, really, really good article because unit testing is kind of ignored when it comes to mobile. Um, you don't really think about it. That's one testing kind of lags behind on mobile now that now that I think about it. Um, Usually it's kind of old-fashioned because somebody will pull the app up on their device and run through stuff and see what works and doesn't. And if something breaks, try and figure it out. Uh, but especially if you have a if you're using Xamarin's tooling and you have anything cross-platform or anything in core libraries, it's really really easy to unit test that. And uh, especially if that's a core a large percentage of your app, you can ensure that it's never it's not going to be bug-free, but almost bug-free. Um, and I think it'll fit nicely too when uh, Test Cloud finally comes out. So you'll have all the behind the scenes stuff being taken taken care of with uh, unit tests, and then all the UI stuff uh, taken care of with Test Cloud. So I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Um, and we also have an article about Xamarin and Android, and the article is called "Specific Solutions to Specific Problems Number One." So I presume this is going to be a series of um, basically it's done by a guy called Simon Lamb. Who talks about some of the issues that he had, um, kind of getting to grips with some of the uniqueness of Android development, um, and this is using obviously using Xamarin tooling. Um, some of the stuff that he mentions is having problems with starting an activity with result and then doing the best thing on on when someone presses the back button. Um, so basically, start activity with result will load up a new screen. And what, what do you do if someone presses the back button? Does that mean they completed the activity or they didn't complete the activity? And basically this article talks about the best way of handling that and working out um, the best thing to do for your users there. Um, some of the other stuff that he mentions in the article is talking about using uh, independency of control, so IOC, um, and kind of the way that you would then use that within an Android-specific um, paradigm which is slightly different from what you might expect from um, from using it on a website or something that has a difference. I mean, Android has context and that can get quite complicated. Um, so again, this you need to take that into account when using different IOC containers. Um, so there's an, again, he mentions a really nice way of handling that um, with using various different IOC containers. One of them is Tiny IOC, uh, which was created by a guy called Steve Robbins, which I definitely recommend. Yeah, and it, it seems like he's going to be turning this into a series, so it's probably definitely something you're going to want to check back on, especially if you're doing Android development. A lot of these things aren't Xamarin issues, they're just weird quirks of Android, so uh, I haven't done a ton of Android development, but there's definitely some weird stuff going on there occasionally, and uh, it's nice to have someone ironing it out so I don't spend hours looking for a solution that's extremely simple. Yeah. And you know, talking of Android development, um, an actual app that was created um, by one of the guys who works at Xamarin um, called Similar Radio. I think that's the right way of saying it. Uh, would you like to talk a bit more about that, Pierce? Yeah, so uh, this is created by Jeremy Laval. Uh, he's French, but I think I just pronounced his name wrong. So I'll be looking forward to the tweet from him. But it's basically an open source Android app that he developed using Xamarin tooling, uh, Xamarin.Android. And it's an experiment bridging RDO, which is uh, a music platform uh, with Last.fm. 
um, if you're familiar with either of those. And so the idea is to kind of gather your most listened to artists on this uh, on RDO, which is like a music platform, and uh, gather similar talents from last.fm into a comprehensive database. And this is all on your Android phone. And it's a really nice app. Uh, he has a blog post about it. And it's com feature complete, I think. It has a whole bunch of... Uh, the finishing touches you would expect in an, uh, an app that would be on the store, and it actually is in the Google Play Store. So it's really nice, and it uses um, the RDO SDK bindings, and you can find uh, SimilarDO on GitHub. Very nice. Um, one of the other things that I actually found on Twitter, so this is something I saw on Twitter, um, was a post from a guy called Jimmy uh, Bogard, and he's a, normally a developer kind of in the ASP.NET space, um, but he's actually worked on, he works on an open source project called Automapper. And he's been working on getting this ready to work with Xamarin.iOS and Xamarin.android. And actually posted up um, uh, just like a preview for people to try out um, Automapper um, on their iOS and Android devices. So if you're not familiar with Automapper, it's a way of c converting your kind of your business objects um, to something that you might want to display, so your your view uh, your view models or your view objects. Um, so if you have something, um, so you have a service which returns you a list of of um, beer companies, for example, and it gives you all the information about that beer company's so name, location, what types of beer they have. But really, you only want to display a list of their name and their location. Um, you want to basically create a new object, which is like beer beer company summary. And then you want to, you know, set the properties for where the name matches, where the location matches, but you don't really care about the rest of the information. Um, so this is a pretty common um, design pattern that people use, and they normally have the left-hand side and right-hand side, and you do x dot property equals y dot property, and you know, so on and so forth. Uh, Automapper is just a way where you can say, take all this stuff on on this side, and then convert it over to this object on on the left, um, and you can also do things where if that property is null, then set the value to be unassigned or, or not applicable or something like that. So it's a really nice project. So I'm excited to kind of see it um, come to uh, iOS and Android. Um, but this is just a kind of a preview. So um, I presume Jimmy wants to hear your feedback on that. So um, up, you know, you're, there's a link to the Dropbox and you'll find that on the SoundCloud links and then the links below the uh, the podcast. So Check that out there and, and you know give your feedback to Jimmy on, on what you find there. Yeah, and uh, kind of shifting gears, earlier we talked a little bit about uh, shared code and how you can unit test that. And a uh, popular thing happening in the .NET world right now is uh, portable class libraries, better known as PCLs. And uh, Chris, do you kind of want to describe uh, what exactly PCLs are and why they're great? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is a blog po uh, blog post by Scott Hanselman um, called "Cross-Platform Portable Class Libraries with .NET Are Happening." Um, it's actually something that you know it's, it's an oldish. Well, I say oldish. It's uh, about a two-month-old blog post by Scott. Um, actually, saw that Mike Fayer posted it on Twitter recently and said everyone should check it out. And so I rechecked it out and thought it'd be worth mentioning on the show. Um, the portable class library stuff is something that's kind of been around for a, a year or so, um, and it's been PCL version 1, PCL version 2. Um, Xamarin are still working on getting full support for that, but that hasn't stopped people already kind of using portable class libraries within their uh, mobile applications and, and other various different projects as well. 
Um, so basically, it's your kind of one ring to rule them all, as to steal a, a quote from uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, you can build your class library, and it will run on, you know, iOS, Android, Windows Phone, Windows Store, web, desktop, you know, wherever .NET runs, you can generally run your portable class libraries. It's a limited subset, but it does allow you to, you know, reuse your code as much as possible. Um, some of the nice things that um, they have on here is they have the uh, uh, an app which is for the Lions, British Lions team. Um, this is created on Windows um, Phone, Windows 8, iOS and Android. Um, they talk, there's a really nice blog post about this where they go and talk about kind of how they use Windows Azure as their kind of back end to store all this data and, um, you know, have a nice um, blog post on how they use portable class libraries to share as much code as possible across these different apps. Um, one of the things that um, the article mentions, it mentions various different projects as well um, that already kind of use portable class libraries. We mentioned one last week called, um, two weeks ago, called Splat by Paul Betts. Um, Scott Hanselman points out um, a few other projects that uh, Paul has worked on, um, which is really nice to kind of see. So one of these projects is uh, Reactive UI, um, which again is, is something that people, if you haven't checked out Reac Reactive UI, you should definitely check that out. Um, and that's another one which is converted into portable class libraries. Do you want to talk about some of the, uh, the other apps that I mentioned in Scott's uh, blog post? Okay, uh, another app that uh, kind of took advantage of the PCL story uh, was the British Irish British and Irish Lions app, which Chris had to explain to me what that was before. Um, but they, they made their app cross-platform to target Windows Store, Windows Phone, iOS, and Android. So uh, as Chris said, PCLs help you to share common code across platforms. Um, so they use PCLs uh, a lot. For this cross-platform story, they use Azure to host the services that the app actually uses and MVVM cross uh, by uh, Stuart, Lodge. Stuart Lodge. I was about to say Slodge, and then I couldn't remember his real name. Uh, <laughs> um, so it uses MVVM cross, PCLs, and Azure. So it's a really, really cool app. It uses a lot of um, interesting technologies. Uh, they have a case study and a blog post by some of the developers on the on the actual architecture of the app. Um, but this is actually a quote from them. They say, given the very short time scales for the Lions app, which was less than three months from the first line of code to the first release, we simply could not have delivered a rich native experience across all platforms without common uh, core. So PCL has definitely played a big role in them getting their app out in time. It's a huge waste to have to rewrite a whole bunch of the same code. Uh, in different languages for different platforms, so PCLs seem to have saved their lives there, right there. And another another app that they mentioned, uh, that Scott uh, mentioned in this blog post, again using MVVM Cross, um, is the Aviva Drive app. So this is a an app where you can put it in your car. It will tell you how well you drive, and you can get a discount on your driver's insurance basically by using this app. So it's kind of a marketing piece app, but again, you know they um, they mentioned that they use Azure in this. Is actually featured in the TechEd Europe keynote. Um, so it's great to see people taking advantage of MVVM Cross and the portable class libraries to really um, speed up their app development and create some really exciting um, mobile apps with it. Definitely. Um, so there's a few other apps that took advantage of the PCL. Um, I don't know, really know if it's a framework or how I would describe PCLs, but 
Um, Taptitude, which is a Windows 7 game that was pretty, Windows Phone 7 game that was pretty popular. Uh, they ported to Windows Phone 8, Windows Store, iOS, and Android. Uh, same thing, they use PCLs, uh, Xamarin, and they actually use Monogame, it's a game. And they got 99% uh, shared code between all the platforms, which is just amazing. Another app that got a, a ton of uh, code share was Draw Stickman, which had 95% code reuse. Um, so we're seeing lots and lots of huge numbers of uh, code reuse, and that's that's part in partly because of the design of PCLs. You can't build your PCL, um, so when you add all the platforms that you want to support with your PCL, if you type something in or use a line of code that's not supported in one of them, then you're going to have an error and it won't build. So you're not going to run into any issues down the line of using something that you didn't know you couldn't use. It's going to explicitly point out to you, hey, you can't use this. And so you're going to make sure that your code is very cross-platform and therefore will save tons of time and share tons of code. So Yeah, very nice. Um, and something that, you know, just to kind of finish off on Scott's really, really good bo um, blog post here um, is the uh, .NET Mobility Scanner, uh, which was released by Xamarin. So if you go to scan.xamarin.com, so S-C-A-N.xamarin.com, you can actually, without, you know, downloading of the Xamarin tools, you can go there and you can upload um, your assemblies. And what the website will do is it will go through and, and tell you kind of what this what parts of this code that you can share across multiple platforms. And this isn't just, you know, a portable class library checker. Actually go and check what stuff works on Android and iOS and Windows Phone and Windows Store, which might not be part of the portable class library support. So this is a really nice way of just kind of finding out, you know, really how mobile your uh, C-sharp code is on multiple different plat mobile platforms. So definitely worth checking that project out. Again, it's not a very new project, but... And in case you haven't heard of it, definitely go check it out and, and play around with that. Yeah, and even if you have, say, a Windows uh, Windows app, uh, .exe, you can throw that in the scanner and it'll process that as well. It doesn't just have to be libraries. You can even throw in executable files, so it's pretty cool. Uh, one of the apps that we kind of wanted to mention um, this week was an app called Farlight. And really, it's a, it's a kind of playful kaleidoscope app. Um, and, you know, the people who created the app, um, Outcoder, they kind of created a nice blog post kind of mentioning their, their app. Um, they released it using Monogame. They released it onto the Apple App Store, Google Play Market, Windows Phone Store, and Windows Store. So obviously they're getting a lot of code reuse there. Um, and it's just a nice kind of uh, playful app to play around with. Yeah, and it looks like they made it over the course of a summer. So it's a fairly quick app to build, but it looks really, really nice. It's very polished. Um, it's kind of trippy. But I like it, so um, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, and, and again, similar to what we saw with um, with the Draw a Stickman, they say that they managed to use 95% of their code across the platform. So again, we're seeing a lot of people re really reusing their um, their code across the multiple platforms using Monogame specifically, mainly because you know it's it's game development. Therefore, the UI is normally the same or similar across multiple platforms apart from when you need to dig down into kind of native things such as Game Center or um, Google Play Services games that they have, their game framework that they have there. So kind of moving away from talking about code reuse and PCLs, uh, another cool article that we saw that came out uh, earlier in August, but again, still a really good article, was about the Xamarin.iOS designer and storyboards. It was a complete walkthrough of using uh, the designer to work with storyboards and uh, build a UI through it. Uh, it's a really great article. It's by Lance Bullock. 
Storyboards are a pretty cool thing. They were introduced in iOS 5 so a while ago. So most for most people, that's going to be fine for building apps, especially since iOS 6 adoption is at 93% now, and that will only go up with the release of iOS 7. But just a reminder that this does use the alpha and beta bits for uh, from Xamarin to use the iOS designer in uh, Xamarin Studio. But it's uh, I think it's a really good tutorial just in general on using storyboards, let alone in the designer. I think I'm going to have to play around a little bit more with the designer because I kind of gave up on using drag and drop designers for my UI uh, when I had to go back and forth between Xcode and Xamarin Studio. I really didn't like it and I liked the control that I had with just doing it completely in code and having an imperative UI. Uh, but I think I'm going to have to go back and check out the designer because it really looks fluid, it really looks well designed. And like I said, it's right there in Xamarin Studio. I don't have to pop out to another program. It's just right there. I can double click a file and it'll be there. So I'm definitely gonna have to play around more with it. And this article will definitely help out. Yeah, and, and from my experience with the, the iOS designer, it's, it's that same feeling of, you know, just kind of works and it's all there kind of within Xamarin Studio. And it's just really, really nice to use. So um, I definitely recommend checking that out. Yeah, and even if you aren't really into storyboards, uh, it's it's really good for prototyping and figuring out exactly how you want the flow of your application to go. So even if you don't want to build your main project with storyboards, uh, it's really good for stuff like prototyping. Yeah. And, you know, we, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, kind of general mobile development as well. And obviously, if you're building for iOS and Android, Windows Phone is going to be another thing that you want to um, develop on another platform. Um, and one of the really interesting things that I found over the last uh, month or so is a is a, um, a program called Develop. So that's D V L U P. And what they do is they offer you a way of you create you you can um, do challenges uh, based on Windows Phone apps or games um, where you can earn earn points. So you get points for say having a hundred ratings in the in the App Store in the UK or in the US, or you can use a new SDK and be able to get some points for doing that. And then the more points you get, then you obviously get more prizes. Um, so you, in the US, I think you can get Xboxes and you can get like um, cards for like gift cards to Starbucks and things like that. Um, the reason why I kind of want to bring it up today is that um, they just opened up to five more countries. So now that um, I think it's USA and, and um, in the UK at the moment, I'm not too sure if there's any others, um, but the five new countries that they did add was Australia, India, Indonesia, Italy, and Vietnam. So if you're in any of those countries and you want to check this program out, or if you're already in the UK and the US, I'm pretty sure Canada will be there as well. Um, definitely check it out. It's a really nice program, and you know it, it gets you kind of um, excited to kind of develop for the Windows Phone platform. And again, you can if you've already got an iOS and Android app, it might be a good time to take your C-sharp code from there and, and move it over onto Windows Phone in and get some XP for, for doing that. One of the things that we saw on Twitter again um, was the asyncification of the Ouya um, platform for C-sharp and monogame developers. Um, so Kanaju Games, um, they already created bindings to the Ouya um, SDK. So if you're a mobile developer and you're developing for the Ouya platform, then you can already use monogame on there and, and talk to the Ouya SDK um, Based off, you know, based off this binding, um, but because of the whole C# -sharp five and async and await support, the Ouya SDK was recently updated to support uh, doing async and await within the Ouya SDK. So, you know, building building using Monogame because you want to use C# -sharp 
and now you can use the really nice features that C Sharp 5 brings um, for that development. So that's really nice to see. Yeah, definitely. You always want to use the best tools at your disposal, and async await is some compiler magic that I love. So it's nice to be able to use that on uh, just another platform now. So exactly, yeah. Uh, another thing we saw on Twitter this week was an article called "Quick Start with Xamarin.iOS" by Yaroslav Bigus. Uh, he uses the BBC API to build a UI table view controller and populate it with the data that he downloads. He uses uh, all the base class library stuff, doesn't have to really pull in anything else. So it's really neat. And uh, again, it's not a lot of code. And if you're one of those guys who doesn't like to just work through meaningless examples, this is for you because he uses real world data and builds something pretty cool and uh, not that many lines of code. Yeah, and I think it's one of those examples where I think you can adapt it quite easily to something that you want to do personally as well. So um, taking taking from the BBC news feed, you might want to go and, and grab you know your, your Hacker News articles or your Verge articles or something like that and put that in and, and create your own app that way as well. So very simple example, but it does it really well in kind of explaining some of you know how to create a real native app with, with Xamarin.iOS and something that you can reuse and, and purpose for your, your needs as you see fit. So that's all we have time for uh, for this episode of the Xamarin Podcast. So thanks again for uh, joining us um, and we'll be back in probably in another two weeks so um, keep listening and thanks again